Greetings, Trinitarians. This podcast is possible partly because of Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary in Evansville, Indiana. If you're interested in beginning your theological academic journey at Trinity, contact us at trinitysem, that's trinitysem.edu today. Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Jonathan Pritchett, and along with me is... Braxton Hunter. And today we are going to talk about doing apologetics in your local church. Stick around. So it's not heresy. It's... Come on, no, it's Harris' son. Wow! They gave us nothing but tradition and no argument. All they did was get on this stage, yell real loud, and set a straw man on fire. Okay, now, this is... I... I, I was... not impressed. <laughs> I, I've never heard of this gentleman before, but... And there is no evidence at all, except in the imagination of Dr. Braxton and like-minded thinkers, that there is such a thing as an objective morality. All right, well, that was a very passionate speech by Professor Alvarez. However, let me point out a couple of things that I have not argued tonight that Professor Alvarez seems to think that I have argued. Everything that begins to exist must have a cause for its existence. On behalf of humanity, God became man to die for the sin of the world. Then, because of that sacrifice, you can rise from the dead just like he rose from the dead. And we're delighted that you're with us today. And on top of your being with us, we have big news in Trinity Radio history. Uh, We started this podcast years and years ago. I started it in my attic before I ever knew there was a Jonathan Pritchett Prime. But this has become as much his show as it ever was my show, and we never thought we'd see the day. But we are today at one of the one of three featured podcasts, three or four, on uh, apologetics315.com. Your favorite website of all time, right? I've probably recommended more people go to Apologetics315 than go to my site. And <laughs> I, I Because it's better, right? What, well, yeah, it is better. I mean, I think, I mean, especially now it just got me. I mean, hey, <laughs> what, you know. So, uh, but I would have said it on last week's episode as that was the first episode actually to be featured on Apologetics Review, but I didn't know. I knew the deal. We, we'd kind of talked about everything, working it out, and so that we'd be on there. And But I, I didn't know it was going to actually happen last week. So, uh, Kurt Jarris and everybody else at Apologetics 315, we are thrilled. I used to think that if my name could ever be, they have a famous uh, on, from your perspective, left-hand side of the screen going down, uh, alphabetized list of topics and names. And I always thought, if I could be on that list, it would be like winning a Grammy for me in the apologetics world. And I'm on the list, and you're to soon be on the list. <laughs> so we're really excited to be on the show and yeah. glad that... Uh, we have gotten new people. We've gotten quite a few already, just and, in a, and a few let, days. And you are an online stalker, right? You go see people who, when we get new commenters or anything else... Oh yeah, I go check out yeah. who they are. Who do, and I'm who glad to see... And who, who, who do they watch? Right, right, and I'm glad to see that maybe for the first time ever, we're getting a bunch of new... Uh, people who are not already subscribers of Leighton Flowers. Yes. So if you haven't heard of Leighton Flowers, go check him out. It'd be nice for us to send some people his way right. for a change. Uh, all right, so uh, let's get into it. Today we we're are not talking... not riding your coattails anymore. Yeah, we are. T- today we're talking uh, about a book that one of the students at Trinity has uh, edited with uh, quite a few, uh, and professor at, at, yeah. at Trinity, yeah. uh, a former student, and uh, Sam this Schmidt. is the book. <clears throat> Sam Schmidt, our friend, he is a pastor of a growing church somewhere in Kentucky. What where was and it? And it's uh, called Small Churches, Big Stories. But this is a worldview show, and uh, we like to talk about things like evangelism, apologetics, and theology, and mix all that together in one big uh, theological hairball. And so yeah. today we're going to be talking a little bit about this, and this will bleed into a discussion of how to do small groups that are apologetics-based and evangelism-based with an apologetics flavor in your church, because I have experience in that, and we'll have a big reveal toward the end of the show about something that Dr. Pritchett and myself are cooking up 
for the next few months that we're going to do as part of Trinity Radio is going to kind of be in that wheelhouse. So you don't want to turn this one off. And if you're one of those people that thinks, I don't care much about the kind of ministry, practical sort of things, I'm really in it to hear the arguments and stuff like that. Listen, don't turn this episode off. I believe that you're going to be glad you stuck with us. Yeah, and if you're an apologist... Who is not interested in doing local church ministry? Shame on you. you yes, you're a horrible person. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked plenty about us going into churches and doing apologetics and then leaving. Yeah, but that's not the extent of what we do. We actually care about local churches, and we believe that apologists should actually care about their local churches. Spend more time in your local churches than you do arguing with some atheist on Facebook who not only are you never going to convince, but guess what? Nobody else is reading those posts after about... Yeah, 10, pe- people 10 have heard me plot, say yeah. this before, and if you go back and listen to our episode on evangelistic apologetics, you'll hear me say it. I also have a short video on that, but let me just say this much in addition to what you just said. I have loved apologetics and unashamedly just loved apologetics yeah. since probably 2003 or four. and what has broken my heart is the fact that for much of that time, though we're experiencing a golden age of resources related to apologetics in bookstores... At the same time, what most people, it's, it's usually for guys like us and maybe you watching this, we get these books, we kind of nerd out on these things, and after church on Sunday, we talk to someone else who's into apologetics or theology about some new argument we heard, some new book we read, or some new debate that we saw, And but then we go home and we never do anything with it, and what we do end up doing, if we do anything at all, is arguing with people on the internet and treating apologetics like, like we're geeks for it in the way that other people are geeks for Star Wars Lord of the Rings, Right. and if... and, and And if that's all you're doing with it, well, great. Maybe it firms up your faith, and it's entertainment and intellectual stimulation for you, but that is not all that Christian apologetics is meant for. In fact, I would say not principally what it's meant for. I think it's good for evangelism. Amen. That's what we're all about is evangelistic apologetics. In fact, I think you wrote a book. Yeah, there it is right there. Yeah, I got mad. We have a new audience last week. Yeah, we're we're, we're promoting all kinds of stuff. Let's just do this. Evangelistic apologetics... Uh, our new the book that our friend wrote, Small, Small Churches, Churches, Big, big Ministry, sto- Big Stories, uh, Big Stories, and then I have a book back here, Core Facts. Uh, yeah. I have a book called Chronicles of the Adonai, which is a fictional uh, story about a dystopian future, perhaps with apologetic overtones. But it is not edutainment because I deplore mere edutainment. And the second installment of the Chronicles of the Adonai fiction series. Should be coming out in the next month or two, yeah. based on how long now, it takes. Now we did all design. that, namely because one person commented that he was sick of us buzz marketing stuff. So he was very friendly about that. He yeah, wasn't, but he wasn't complaining. Yeah, it's. I, I think everything's complaining. So in honor of him, we want to buzz market as much things as we can before we actually get to our show topic. And if you heard a buzz, that was my phone. I'm turning it off now. Okay, that's not. It happens like every week. I, I know, and, and I need to go ahead and mute my computer. Yeah, because this is so. going to ding a bit. All right, okay, okay. Back to the show. Back to the show. So, no, start back us first off. to the patrons. Okay, we are glad to have some new patrons this week. Yeah. I, I uh, the patrons are what make this show possible. Just stay with it. I promise. This is almost done. Okay, just stay with us. This is all necessary in order for a show like this to be possible. Um, all right, so we have. Uh, if you would like to give to our show, it's patreon.com. You're like, why give to this? All I do is watch them sell books. Trinity and Radio. And, right, I, I'm really bothered about We probably ought to start doing this stuff toward the end. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, patreon.com slash Trinity Radio. Uh, I'm not going to read off the whole list of the patrons, but we have quite a few patrons now. We have some new patrons that have come I on do board. Sa- I do want to I do want to shout out Robert Geiler, because... That's how he says his name. Yeah. And, and we want to shout out Ben Fogler, because yeah. that's how he says his name. Yeah. And we want to shout out... Um, Chris, Abe and Abby. They Chris came Fisher. To... Chris Fisher's yeah, got a show. patron. Started out doing an episode critical of something that we said on Trinity Radio. Now he's a patron, because that's just how we roll around yeah. here. But no, we really do appreciate Chris, and we appreciate the uh, intelligent pushback on things that we say. And All his right. show is awesome. <clears throat> it's funny. All right, so let's move forward, and what what about this book is awesome? Well, my contribution for starters, and yours was okay, but mine was great, and Sam's was good. No, they're all good. 
Uh, what's interesting, it's not really a po- apologetics book so much as it's a book about... I don't know that it's at all apologet- no, apologetics, uh, but, but we're going to make it one in this right, episode. Right, because that's what we do. Yeah. But um, it is a, some testimonies, basically, and some practical advice about how you can get things going in small churches and what God has done in small churches. And guess what? Most people that go to church in the United States go to a small church. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Sam contacted us and said, I'm kind of annoyed that, this is a paraphrase, I'm kind of annoyed that we talk about church growth all the time. We talk about these big churches, mega churches. They get all the conferences. They get all the attention. But like you just said, God is moving in small church ministries. And I always say there are small, I think I got this from someone else. I think I got this from my father, actually. But there are small churches, but there are no small ministries. Right. And what he wanted for this was not something that was polemical, not something that was uh, you know, an attack on no, anything or anybody. He wanted he wanted stories from people who had been involved in some kind of small church ministry that was positive. So in my case, I kind of made a point that there are churches that are not that the way they're set up, they it's not possible for them to ever be a big church, and they're not meant to be. So the what I talked about was the church when we first moved to Evansville, Indiana. Um, we didn't have any connections here. Uh, we, we didn't have, we never lived here. But across the street from our house, like literally outside our front window, there was a Baptist church. And it, it had the building like, hey, it used to be a big church, but something's happened. And it was, it, was, it was about to die out. And so we prayed in our front window, looking across at this uh, dying Southern Baptist church, God, if you ever, you know, decide to do something with that ministry or if something else ever goes in there that we can get on board with, and even now, you know, we'd be happy to get on board. We'll do everything we can to make it great. And a couple of years later, a couple of church planters ended up, uh, the local Baptist Association uh, said, do this whatever you can. And it kind of grew up to about 100, 110, 120, something like that. But they did something great. Because it's in inner city Evansville, they worked out a deal with the local Evansville Rescue Mission where those guys that wanted to stay at the rescue mission could not stay there unless... They were going to go to church on Sunday morning, and not just at any church, at that church, at Center of Hope Church is what it's called. And so because of that, here's what happened. No matter who preached, I ended up becoming an interim pastor there for about a year, but no matter who preached, it was like, it didn't even matter if the guy was a good preacher or not. If he was giving them the gospel, you would have just an evangelistic event, a harvest every Sunday. You say, oh, well, then the church must have exploded. No, because... Since these were mostly transient homeless people, they ended up having to get on a Greyhound the next day to go to, you know, California or wherever, and they didn't stay, and that was the nature of it, and it became, and and for a while I thought of it more as a preaching station than a church, and in one sense it was, but not really, because there was a core of people that ended up doing the Wednesday night Bible study, and we had an apologetics class, hint, hint, that's going to come later, we'll talk about that, but ultimately... Uh, the the reason that it never grew in terms of the uh, people that were not uh, poverty stricken who could have been there is we found out something really sad, which is though the people in all the big churches will say, "I wish there was a church that was worrying about the homeless and trying to reach these people in these <laughs> minority you know situation all that kind of thing," you actually give them that and they come for two weeks and then they don't like the idea of sitting next to someone who's not like them or maybe doesn't smell very clean or something they can't handle it and that was very sad but by nature of that it had to stay a small church right. but it probably had a bigger impact than a lot of mega churches do yeah so small church big story yeah it was a good story too but you did start an apologetics group there and that was actually a pretty big group for a while because interestingly enough, uh, we've talked about this in previous shows, how we hear from apologists, friends of ours, or budding apologists, how nobody in my church wants to hear it. Nobody in my church wants to have me speak. Nobody in my church wants to talk about apologetics. Nobody in my neighbor's church wants to have me speak. I can't get anything going. Yeah. Apologi- I mean, if you're a singer, <laughs> yeah. if you feel like that God has led you to a ministry of song, yeah. oh, no problem. I mean, as long as you can sing. Like, no problem. You're going to... Well, there are Baptist gonna... churches I've been to that they, they'll yeah. let you sing a special even though you shouldn't. You shouldn't be singing a special. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but the, yeah. the point is, like, that is kind of an entertainment-based sort of thing. It doesn't have to be, but that's kind of how it's viewed. And so, yeah, yeah you, you're going to have an opportunity. But a Christian apologist who has devoted the past 10 years to studying the evidence and the arguments for why Christian theism
Catholicism is the most reasonable uh, position, uh, worldview that there is on offer. And that guy has poured over Bayesian probability theory and read Alvin Planting and all these kind of things. Yeah, tough luck, pal. You're like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, I want to hear. But it's not impossible because no. um, you started an apologetics group from basically scratch. Okay, that's the second time you've said yeah. it, so I'm assuming you're trying to segue. Yeah, they're like, get to the freaking... <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, in fact, I, I do a presentation at apologetics conferences about... Uh, evangelism and apologetics in small groups. And so I don't think I have... Okay, first of all, let me tell you some benefits of doing apologetics in small groups. Uh, or well, Sunday school classes, even, but your your group doesn't stay small. No, it, it no, and and it probably there's there are ideas that a small group should stay small, and that once it gets to a certain size, you should divide and move and start another group. And I think that's good. But with apologetics, it's a little more difficult because you want someone to be there for that second group that is capable. Right. And so if there's not someone like that, then your small group just might become a big group. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, that's okay for it to become a big group. Sure. Yeah. But. And I'll, yours did become a pretty big group. Well, and this is great. It did, but let's talk about some of the benefits of small groups. So in general, whether it's an apologetic small group or not, small groups can be much more personal. Yeah. You just talked about recently, I don't know where I heard you, I've heard you say it a thousand times, that uh, one of the things that you don't like about megachurches and why you kind of prefer a small church mm-hmm. is because you kind of know everybody, right? Yeah, well, and, well, and, and I, I actually go into that in the book. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with large churches being large churches. My the capacity for me, and this is a shortcoming with me. The capacity I like to know everybody, mm-hmm. and I like to know things about everybody with whom I go to church, and I, I can't because you can't properly gossip if you don't. Right, exactly, and I can't and I can't remember <laughs> names and faces and details and their kids and past a couple hundred people, and so yeah. then I just feel like, well, I'm here at this place and I don't know you. And to be honest, I'm not going to try to get to know every all those people. I feel like if I'm in a church, I should know those people that well. Mm-hmm. And so if it if it gets too big, like uh, say 300 people, yeah. I think that's a little bit past my capacity to learn yeah. people's names and, and stuff. Other people, not so much. I mean, Bill Clinton, for example, former president, can remember he names and places for 30 years and everywhere. You, I mean, you know, everywhere you go, oh, yeah, I saw him, you got know to, to somebody. Keep your, to keep your story straight, you've right. got to remember all those details. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I don't have that gift. Um, yeah. So I'm But like, you don't have to because your conscience is clear, right? Well, I just go to a smaller church and yeah. I'm fine with it. Well, But I think you're right that it's more personal. Yeah. Now, our big church people would say, yeah, but in a big church, you can have small groups, right? right. So you can still have this. So really, it goes both ways. But that is a point you've made about small church that I think does uh, you know, flourish in small group settings, is it can be more personal. You can know these people. And that's important. Uh, you should maybe have someone who's involved in the small group whose job it is to make sure that uh, people are kept up with. Oh, we'll get to we'll get to yeah. that. Okay, uh, I've got. So, th- that's my half of the show. So small groups also allow relationships to form. Mm-hmm. Um, discussion is more likely in a small group. Now, I realize that some people just discussion is going to be difficult in general. But one of the things about you know we said last week on the show one of the things about church. I like being making it comfortable. I like even some of the big churches. I like having it, you know, comfortable, dark. The music's good. The coffee's good. You know, you're it's you don't feel intimidated necessarily to come there. But because it's a church and it is somewhat about relationships, that needs to be a part of it. And uh, it is more likely to happen in small groups than in front of 500 people. Right. Right. So small groups allow discussion. It's more likely discussion is more manageable. In small groups. Definitely. So somebody starts shooting off at the mouth, and this is going to be important when we get to the apologetic nature of this, because you could have Joe Christian here who li- who thinks he knows everything about everything, and maybe he does, but he hasn't thought much about how to communicate to other people, and he's in your small group, and he starts talking and using all this Christian language that an unbeliever, especially someone who's an atheist, might not be aware of. And you want to know, you want to be able to manage that guy. Likewise, with the skeptic, you know, you want to be able to, to, you know, 
hold them back if they're saying all kinds of blasphemous things and haven't heard you out yet. <laughs> Not that that's what the typical skeptic is like, but you do occasionally have that, I know from experience. Okay, here's another thing. Small groups can happen outside of the church building. That's a great thing about small churches. Yeah. Maybe someone, a skeptic, doesn't feel comfortable coming into a church, uh, but you'll hear them say these you know, things like, well, the roof will cave in if I come in there. Well, okay, let's meet at Starbucks then, or let's meet at whatever. You know? I'd say if that happened, would you believe? Yeah, that'd be good evidence. <laughs> that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you got struck with lightning or if right. you melted when you touched... Right. You better yeah. believe after that. Right. Although, if you're clinging to methodological naturalism... Uh, as your means of epistemology, then you probably still can't believe because right. it won't allow you to conclude that even if that were to happen, that that would be yeah. any kind of good evidence. All right, uh, onward and upward, small groups can allow for more focused learning. So you can you can present you can pre- yes, I have a PowerPoint on this. Okay? I have a PowerPoint on this. Okay, uh, but I brought my PowerPoint. You came to a you came to a knife. You brought a knife to a gunfight here. Uh, so all right, I still win. Okay, so now the benefits for evangelism and apologetics in a small group: uh, relationships aid in evangelism. Right? Love is the greatest apologetic, and small groups create opportunities to demonstrate Christ's love. Uh, years and years ago, I went to the um, National Conference on Christian Apologetics that mm-hmm. SES used to put on, and uh, Josh McDowell was going to speak, and he was going to be the first speaker, and his they had billed this as he's going to give us the greatest apologetic, and and, and, it, you've, and maybe you've never heard it before. And so we were all sitting there. I fell for it. We're all sitting out there. Going, oh, oh, what is this? There's some new manuscript that we've never seen before that demonstrates he's found the Ark of the Covenant. You know, what is it going to be that he's that he's found? Uh, and then what he got up and said was the greatest apologetic is love. What's going to impact people? Obviously, the argu- people like us think the arguments and evidence is important, but. The love is yeah. the, and I think Paul said something along those lines right. too. The greatest uh, of these. Yeah. So, uh, so all right. Skeptics can associate a particular group of people with Christian answers. If you have a small group that's devoted to this, one thing we found was people that were either Christians but but were in doubt, yeah. or people who were not yet Christians came to think of our small group as the place to go for answers. It, they'd hear something, or they'd read something, or some friend at college would say something, and they'd know, oh, on Thursday night, I'm going to go ask them about that, see what they have to say. And so they begin to think of you as the place to get those answers. And as we've said in other shows, you even if you're leading the small group, they may ask you a question you don't know the answer to. But you can be an answer finder. But you can be an answer finder, even if you can't be an answer giver. And, and a group can... like this is a place where somebody can find the answer, even yeah. if you can't. You can, you know... You're 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 pulling your resources there, or, or pulling your ignorance one way or the other. But still, <laughs> yeah. um, don't but start googling in the middle of the class but, for the okay, answers. Okay, so you're an apologist. Wait till next Thursday. And you're, you've you've you've. I'm sure you have other bullet points. But somebody's saying, okay, that's great. How do I do this? How do I how do I start this? Yeah. Um, well, is it filled with dreams? Build it, and they'll come. Is that how it works? Okay. First of all, the leaders should be generally competent in apologetics, doctrinal issues, and biblical material. This is why if you're an Apologetics 315 junkie or you're a friend of uh, our show and, and you're into apologetics, or if you're into biblical studies and not apologetics, or theology and not apologetics, or whatever, you need to be well-rounded. Um, take a couple of years off from the apologetics if you have to and do a vigorous study of the Bible with someone like Steve Gregg if you need to yeah. in order to you get should, that you down. You a little video about this. Yeah. Yeah, put that in the link. I'll put that in the show link if I remember. So, But, but you, need to, you need to be well-rounded because you're not just... Here's what they're going to do. They're not just going to think of you as giving arguments for God's existence and the resurrection. They're going to ask you, how do I know that I'm saved? Yeah. They're going to ask you why is homosexuality? Why do you got? What do you think about homosexuality and why? They're going to ask you what some weird verse in the Old Testament has to do and why we should believe that Balaam's donkey is able to talk. You know, right. they're going to ask you all these kind of things. So you can't just know whatever William Lane Craig's cranking out. Although he's a he's a national treasure, you need to know, <laughs> you need to you need to know this other stuff as well. Uh, and you can get a lot of theology from Craig. Also, yeah. I recommend you try to uh, you try to get at least five people to start and limit it to no more than fifteen, if possible. You know, like your group didn't stay limited to fifteen. No, it didn't, and I wish I it had. Uh, I wish what we should have done. Ours got up to about twenty five at its height because that was what the room would hold. And I wish that what we had done was to cut it in half and put half in another at another time of the week. 
Because number one, that's more options for people. And number two, I had a Christian apologist that we had trained up through this process, a young young lady in her early 20s who was killing it in apologetics and graduated from Trinity Mm -hmm. and would have been great. By the way, you need to come to Trinity College of the Bible Theological Seminary and learn how to do evangelistic apologetics. But um, I wish we'd done that. But so I say try to get at least five and then try to not have more than 15. Yeah. Well, and there's a principle that I have in this book that I wrote. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I was talking about building a small group in a church or a Sunday school class, either or. And and I was talking about it's never kosher to go swipe people from another class, you know, because <laughs> a Sunday school teacher might... Because you're just a jerk. Uh, yeah. Because um, they're trying to have their own little... The, the Sunday school or the small groups trying to have their unit. You're, there you are wanting to start your own. Um, but what I did say, and... And I also caveat this that your mileage may vary. I have no problem swiping people who want to get something going from other churches where the church that they're at doesn't have this kind of thing going. And so, um, for me, it's like, yeah, if, if, if they're at a church and that church isn't doing what, you know, they, you know, no one in my church wants apologetics. Well, but, but what if they're the guy? You're the you're the guy in your church that wants apologetics in your church. They're the guy that wants it going in their church. Well, and we're not we're not. I, I'm not against swiping people. Who it's about aren't the being kingdom. Used. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not against swiping people from other churches who aren't being used in those churches who could be used in a different. I, so, I don't yeah. disagree, but here's the great thing about a small group: is you don't have to swipe them from some other church. You and that other church can cooperate, and and if I had, if I was going to do this again, one thing that I would do is I would print out a flyer, and I would put on that thing a list of all my doctrinal positions, what kind of apologetic methodology I use in case anybody cares, all that stuff down there, and and I, and I would have a big stack, and every time we had someone come who was a member of another church. I would say, look, give this to your pastor if you feel like you need to, and let him know what you're getting from where, and 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 let him know that, and and you know, you don't have to stop going to your church. You know, this is a week night, you know, that you we do this thing. Yeah, but, but if you're having it, if you're having this at a different church, mm-hmm. you're having this at your church because yeah, they still have to stop going to their church. Yeah, I know because you and I both feel like this whole church that you know in the Bible there was the church at Antioch. The church, yeah, right. I, you know, so I, even though that's not how we do it, and I get it, and this is not a show about ecclesiology in general, the fact of the matter is, even if we have separate congregations, is it a big deal if someone from one church goes to a weeknight thing in another church? For some people. Well, those people need to repent, right? I'm not saying it's not silly. I'm just saying it's what okay, it is. Yeah. Some pastors are going, I don't know if you should be, you know, going to that church with those people. And I mean, or it's not just a pastor, maybe it's the deacon. That mm-hmm. says stuff like that, because you know my 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 second cousin went to that church twenty five years ago, and let me tell you what they do down there. It has nothing to do with what they're doing now, but that happens. It really does. Right. No, I want you to know that I'm paying attention to you and care what you're you, having you to say. Absolutely don't. I do. I do. I'm I, just telling you. I read your some, chapter. Somebody is going to. Somebody is going to start a small group and then. And get killed for it. And so, yeah, some, get assassinated. Somebody from some church is going to storm uh, in verbally. there. What are you telling my... What do you mean? What You're telling you mean? people they got to apologize for the gospel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what do uh, you mean? What do what, what you mean that the 13.7 billion years ago there was a big bang and that yeah. means God... What are you some, talking what about? Are you, some kind of evolutionist or something? Yeah. You're going to get it. It'll happen. You're not allowed. You Northerners are not allowed to use a Southern accent to make fun of someone. We're Southerners. We can yeah. do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Uh, responsibility. Okay. Uh, about half of the group. This is what I worked out. About yeah. half of the group should be reliable church members. Okay. The other, because you, because what we want to do with this in an apologetic small group is invite skeptics, and members should be encouraged to invite skeptics. Um, we. That, uh, yes. Do you, let me just segue here, though. Okay. Speaking of that topic, you know me. I don't care about the age of the earth issue. Oh, right? boy. Are we doing this? No. We just, okay. just a little bit of this. Okay. But for a lot of people, apologetics, you've said this before. When you talk about apologetics, you want to get apologetics going. Uh, there's going to be a certain number of people, trust me, they exist, that are interested in, teach me how to debunk evolution. Well, right. say that into the microphone. Teach me how to debunk yeah. evolution, <laughs> and it's the Ken Ham thing. And you right. actually admit... That's how I started. You thought that that's I what thought a, that's what apologetics was. Right. And th- for a lot of people, I think it's still the case. And for 
getting into some of the scientific stuff where you talk mm -hmm. about Big Bang cosmology and mm -hmm. how that could function mm -hmm. as evidence, th there's going to be people that that well, bothers. Yeah, well, here's what I did In with any that. local church, that's going to bother people. As you can tell, I've thought a lot about this, and I have a response to that. Okay. Uh, first of all, understand the nature of this particular apologetic small group. It's evangelism. That's the point. So we're not gonna do, we're not intentionally gonna try to talk about those kind of things because what we want people to understand is three things: number one, that God exists; number two, that Jesus rose from the dead; and then number three, answer questions that they bring. And if they bring a question like that, in the one that I did, the question and answer time was after whatever talk or subject I kind of talked about for. 15 minutes or whatever to get the conversation going. Right. So in my talk, I tried to talk about things that were not like what should be taught in public school classrooms or uh, what, what about, you know, uh, the eye is so developed and how did these light-sensitive cells and all this kind of stuff and irreducible complexity of biomolecular machines or whatever we're talking about. I try to talk about the main uh, stuff that's important for them to know that Christian theism is true. Right. But then afterwards... Afterwards, bring all the questions you want. Now, I could imagine you have an evangelistic apologetic small group and then have another small group for people that are really, in, you know, they're, they're developing more in their apologetics, and maybe there you do go into more of the nitty-gritty stuff. Yeah. You know, you might have a week on Bayes' and, theorem or something. And, and, and the beautiful thing about apologists that they don't realize is you don't have to be so overly committed to your position that you don't just give people room to breathe. So for the age of the earth stuff, the good thing about apologetics in general is that it's interdisciplinary. People think that that's a bad thing about it. I think it's a wonderful thing about it. Sure. Uh, another beautiful thing is apologists, you can be flexible. Now, if you're diligent and you know the field, or at least have a broad, a good, solid overview... You don't have to be the guy that says, ah, well, I'm a old earth creationist, blah, blah, blah. You can say, here's what the young earth creationists think. Yes. Here's what the old earth creationists think. Yes. Here's what the theistic evolutionists think. Here's, <clears throat> we have more than one option. Right. I personally think X. I personally don't care for Y, but I don't care enough to get upset if this helps you. And you definitely need to do that yeah. if, for example, you as the apologist leading the small group... If you have a different perspective on that from, say, the pastor of the church or something, right. you want to be a little more ca cautious in doing that because you don't want to undermine the ministry of the leadership of the church. Yeah. Um, so so I, it's good to lay out these options. So, okay, yeah, so you want to invite skeptics, and uh, it should be the group's understanding that skeptics will not be pressured to sign on the dotted line. You need to make people... You, okay, you need to let skeptics... Yes, the skeptics know this when you're talking with them, the atheists, agnostics, Muslims, whatever they are. You know, hey, we're not pressuring you to, you know, here's a list of uh, verses from the Book of Romans, and you sign this, and now you're safe. That's not what we're doing here. Right. What we're doing here is allowing you, if you want to, to ask questions, but it should, the skeptics should be known, let, let to know, and everyone in the class. And I had to give this whole preamble every single week, and I did every time we had a new person. I'd give this whole preamble about, look, if you're here and you don't yet believe, or, you're, or you're, maybe you're skeptical about God or the resurrection or the authenticity of the Bible or something like that, we're happy for you to ask questions. All we ask is that you're respectful in asking those questions and let us answer, and then we'll be respectful with you. Because yeah. you can't, if you get some kind of internet atheist guy in here who's just there with the t-shirt, you know, debate me and all this, that's going to act, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. And we will let that guy know that, that this is, and, and with the Christians that do the same, mm, this is a little embarrassing. This is not what we're doing here. We're, yeah. What we're doing here is you want to ask questions. That's you got to be respectful. Yeah. You know? So uh, I think I think a uh, Mister Debate Me. I'm an atheist guy. More often than not, he'll behave himself. But a lot of times you get genuine folks that are not believers. They might even be of other religions or. Uh, no religion or whatever. They just come and they do want to ask questions and they don't mind conversation. There really are people like that. Maybe they don't even act that way on the internet. Maybe they're completely different on the internet. But in person, most people, I mean, wasn't that your experience? Most people were calm. Yeah. First of all, because they know they're kind of in the lion's den. You know, yeah. they're, if they're an atheist and they've come into a 
Christian small group, you know, now there were a couple of times where we had someone who was pretty outspoken. And well, what, outspoken is not necessarily rude. Okay, rude. Okay, but yeah, the, rude but people. the but the thing was that what was interesting about it was they ended up uh, they ended up like being shocked by the answers that we would give. You know, like like she like I would I remember one time I was talking about um, they're not they're not being actual infinites. Now, if you're not into this stuff, like you might you may not know what we're talking about, but like how there, there's a lot of grains of sand. Yeah. <laughs> but there's not literally an infinite number of grains of sand or whatever. There's a lot of stars, but not an infinite number. There's not even an infinite, actually infinite number of atoms in the physical universe. And she's like, well, how do you know? Have you ever counted? And so I was like, well, no, but just conceptually it doesn't work. And she's like, well, oh, but what about this? Isn't God infinite? And what she was shocked to hear me say is, I don't know what you mean. Like, what, what do you mean by, like, I know that Christians say that sort of thing, or that God's knowledge is infinite, or something like that, but you're going to have to break that down and explain. And when she tried to, she couldn't, so I explained to her that we often use the term maximal and things like that. But they're often surprised by your answers, because in a talk like this, where if you're a trained apologist in some manner, you've thought more about how to technically answer some of these questions than a lot of ministry professionals have. Right. And as a result, the stuff they're used to hearing... They may not hear from you. They may be shocked to hear you maybe say, if this is your perspective, that, uh, yeah, I'm not necessarily sure that gay people aren't born gay. (laughs) <laughs> or born with a predisposition toward homosexual yeah. activity. Uh, you know, you, you, that doesn't necessarily mean that the activity is okay, right. but they may be shocked to hear you say that because all they've heard, ever heard anybody else say is, no, my God would never allow anybody to ever be born with a predisposition toward homosexuality. Now, alcohol, anger, violence, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, but not homosexuality. Right. Might be born with one arm, but not homosexuality. <laughs> you know, I mean, so they may be shocked to hear you say some of these kind of things. Yeah. But I also think that if you are mostly Christians and you, you get these people in there whose only experience is, especially if you're in a smaller town, your only experience is these online engagements, right? Mm-hmm. I can see how somebody, well, this is their one chance to get on a soapbox and actually be seen from behind their computer screen yeah. and, and want to get like that. And let them. But just and, they got to be respectful. Yeah, Uh and, and remind them, it's like, yeah, we, we want to hear your perspective. Mm-hmm. Because the more you talk, the more we get to shoot you down. <laughs> well, well <laughs> yeah. don't say that. Well, <laughs> That's I mean, what's going on up here, right? It, well, no, if they get a little bit rude. I mean, if they're, well, if they're here, there for polemics, you can get... If they get rude, then what I recommend is don't m- embarrass them. But afterwards, I mean, respond to what they're saying. But afterwards, get with them privately and say, hey, by the way, you were a little aggressive uh, just want you to know that that's not kind of how we roll here. And I, I never had to do that, actually, but I probably should have at least once. Yeah. So, all right, uh, uh, let me uh, say a couple last things about this. Uh, here's some possible topics you could talk about. You could talk about the theistic arguments, moral, teleological, cosmological, transcendental, ontological. Uh, have an ambulance on standby the night you talk about the ontological argument. Um, resurrection evidences. You could talk about data points if you want to do abductive reasoning, uh, inference to the best explanation. You could talk about beauty, consciousness, free will, salvation testimonies, miracles, the existence of the New Testament, the rapid expansion of the early church, the existence of the church today. All these kind of things seem to... Uh, yeah, but... And that's, a, yeah. the, again, the, the beautiful thing about the interdisciplinary nature of apologetics is it's not, apologetics isn't just apologetics. You get into the Bible, you mm-hmm. get into philosophy, you get into all sorts of things. And you will, whether you intend to or right. not. And, and you don't have to build this as apologetics, and probably shouldn't. Wouldn't that be? I always tell the people in our classes, if you're starting something related to Christian defense at church, don't just call it a worldview small group or something, you know? Yeah, don't call it a poly- That'll kill it quick, right? Is or come that- up with something clever. Ministry professionals love coming up with acronyms and clever things and alliterated names of things and all that <laughs> stuff that rhymes. Yeah. Uh, just right, leave so, the word apologetics out of it, yeah. you might get somewhere with apologetics. Right, it? right. I think that's right. Uh, so you should have planned discussions. The leader should have a plan. A biblical truth should come first and last. The apologetics material should either be woven into the discussion of a text or be brought out in demonstration of the truth of a text. So 
you're not, you don't want to do circular reasoning, obviously, and say, well, this, you know, God exists because the Bible says so, and the Bible said, you know, that whole thing. But what you do want to do is, if you're going to talk about God as the first cause or something, well, start with Genesis 1 and say, look, the Bible says this. Isn't this interesting? <laughs> now, then give do your apologetics, then bring it back in the end to the biblical truth. Because, and the same with the moral, the same with the design, because you're the whole time you are grounding it in the Bible. There's two reasons you should do this. One is so that people begin to naturally develop an appreciation for the Bible as an authoritative book that, that answers a lot of these questions or touches on them. But then two, if somebody from your church who doesn't understand apologetics pokes their head in and says, they're just talking a bunch of philosophy in there. They ain't even reading the Bible. Well, you're reading the Bible, okay? So there's a lot of good reasons to do this. Uh, also, questions should be allowed, but a formal Q&A should come after the talk. Now, that's all in a planned event. I've, occasionally, you're going to have an unplanned night, and the reason you'll have an unplanned night is because you may forget to plan or not have time to plan or whatever, and that's good to have just a Q&A night, okay? Occasionally, discussions will move away from the plan, too, when you already did plan something. So leaders will have to use discretion in how to handle that and whether this topic is something that we should cover. Some talks will, topic, some talks will never get back to the leader's planned outline for the night, and that may be best. Some nights may just be set aside just merely for Q&A. So let me read to you. And those are fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, we like those, and we'll just go ahead and tell them now. So one thing that we're thinking of doing, partly because of our generous patrons, is there is a location just off of our campus here that is a uh, every it's a dark like everything's painted black. It's used as a conference hall kind of thing, and um, and we're thinking of getting this one night a month for a Trinity Radio night where we're going to try to do this again and get a small group going again, an apologetic small group, and we'll have a banner up behind us, Trinity Radio and all that, and we'll do an episode of Trinity Radio live so you'll get to see it, and then do Q&A and just let anybody ask us anything they want, Right. and then that's our episode of Trinity Radio, but it also includes the community and allows us to do some ministry that way. So we're actually going to do this again. And when I did it before, let me let you hear from Sarah Jane Hicks, who is the young lady who I said developed into a a competent Christian apologist herself. She said this, I'm currently a student working towards the end goal of a doctoral degree in apologetics and theology. I'm also the youth director and a member of the worship band at my church, the coordinator of a Thursday night apologetics class for college students and a 6th through 8th grade Sunday school teacher. I cannot stress enough the importance of a strong foundation of biblical knowledge in apologetics, both. These things are necessary to be able to to defend your faith with all Christians, which all Christians are called to do. She talks about 1 Peter 3.15. Knowing God's word as well as arguments for his existence and for the resurrection of Christ make this defense possible for us and will create a byproduct of confidence to share our faith. A lack of this confidence is one of the biggest things that holds people back from spreading the good news. If you don't feel confident that you'll have answers to questions you may be asked, it's much scarier to witness to others. That's Sarah Jane Hicks of Center of Hope Church in Evansville, Indiana. So that's the girl who helped get those people there. She's since gotten married and they're into apologetics. They're still doing this kind of stuff. And interesting, that's a quote that I'm using in my uh, uh, D-Men doctoral program. Yeah, it, it works. It may not work the way people in apologetics that we talk to on, you know, on, online or whatever, when, when apologists are in their quiet corners and they're like, I can't get my ministry going. Mm-hmm. Wrong. What you want to do is you want everyone to listen to you speak in front of a packed I like that. sanctuary. Yeah. But you don't get that overnight. That's right. Why don't you first start with five people Yeah, and, and advertise it. <laughs> Five people, any five people. It's hard work, man. That's hard. I have to, like, get up from World of Warcraft and go do stuff, you know? <laughs> right. But the, the, there are enough. There are too many, way too many, internet apologists and internet apologetics ministries without them doing anything in any local church. And, and if your local church doesn't want what you are gifted in and what you're interested in, find another one, right? There will be a church out there that's like, hey, you want to do this? Great. We'll go invite all of our weird friends, and you go and, you know, 
pass out flyers or whatever. We'll help print up flyers. Say, ooh, this is a ask us anything night. Yeah. Or whatever. You do something like that to kick it off. Yeah. You know, uh, just be ready. <laughs> yeah. You know the worst. Well, is- but the bulletproof fest is if you don't know the answer, try to be ready. But if right. you don't know the answer, I don't know. I'll find out. And I agree with you. Start with a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my chapter here, which just get the book because this is really more about apologetics. Mine was more about starting a small group or a Sunday school, as far as just anyone in any church setting. But one of the things that I tell people to do is to start with a team. Uh, I always started with four, and it was always Misty was always the second person, my yeah. wife. Yeah, and then we would go find another couple. Yeah, uh, and, and if you're not married, get married if you're an adult. But <laughs> you know, um, you know, find your best mate or, or whatever. Yeah. But but I always started all of my Sunday school classes. Well, I did it twice at two mm-hmm. different churches. Got them running about twenty five thirty uh, within a few months. Yeah, uh, you start. I started with my wife and two other people. That's four, and you just come up with a prospects list and then you just go invite those people. And if you can't get anything going with them, you know, we always would have a party and it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be one of those ambush parties that this is really a Bible study. When you get there, I got you. No, it's come over. We're having finger foods and we're hanging out and maybe watch a movie or something like that. Uh, And have a party. And then, then before people leave, you don't give a big speech. You, as people are going out, you walk them to the car and say, Hey, we got this going on if you want to come to this thing. Mm-hmm. But here's the great news is you may not intend to ambush them, and but if you have Christians there, it, there will, it will turn into a discussion of theology or what do you think about this, and that's good for yeah, them. Yeah, but it's hear. not going to be everyone. Yeah, the point is just yeah. for them to come here casually and have a good time, and then you invite right. them, right? Right. Okay, so this book, if you want to get inspired to do small church ministry like that or a small group in a big church, pick up this book edited by Sam Schmidt. And if you want to learn how to do what we've been talking about, then I don't actually cover the specifics of small group ministry in this book, but pick up this book, Evangelistic Apologetics, and Sam Schmidt's Small Church Book, and you should be off and running with your small group ministry that you're going to start in your church, and it's going to be fantastic, and it's going to change the world. All right? Or at least your neighborhood, which is a start, which is better than trying to argue with somebody on Facebook where, and I know the thing. Well, it's not for the person I'm debating. It's for everyone else who's reading. Nobody's reading after four <laughs> huge comments. That that That's argument true. works in formal debates right. in a church setting. That Don't use that argument to justify your endless spending all of this time. Yeah, and in Facebook fact, posts, here's, an, no here's another thing on that. Or or YouTube de- comments. Debates or versus uh, Facebook conversations. Yeah. Facebook, you're talking to a normal person. And you could be messing them up because once you start talking with them about about these kind of things in a big open Facebook thing like this where everybody's seeing, they've got skin in the game because 500 other people just was reading this conversation. No, they weren't. Whereas well, if they were, the first couple of posts, right? So yeah. invite <laughs> them to a private discussion on Messenger and have that discussion there where they don't have skin in the game and they might actually be open to listening to what you have to say. In a debate, you're talking to an internet celebrity skeptic who already is dug in, already has skin in the game before you showed up. And yeah, it is for the people watching. Yeah. So there's a big difference there, right. and it needs to be appreciated. And, and for uh, folks at Trinity Radio Primetime Discussion Facebook group, mm-hmm. I don't read after the first paragraph, sorry. I don't even read sometimes the first paragraph. <laughs> sometimes I go back don't and I'm like, write what was this? Yeah. You know, I was just like, invited to a revival in India. I just I saw it this morning. Yeah, <laughs> And it's like the guy that used to argue with you on YouTube, he would write a dissertation in the YouTube mm-hmm. comment. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, no one is going to read that. Right. No one. You did. Yeah. Back when we only had, when he was the only guy commenting. Yeah. But... Um, no. Oh, by the way, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, it's youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. Um, also, check out, if you're watching this on the video, because I think that's what they post at uh, Apologetics 315, yes. we have an audio version. Just go to iTunes, check out Trinity Radio, and you'll no, find No, don't. Get our views up. Well, I mean, they are if they're hearing this. Okay. okay? <laughs> so, But subscribe. No, all you people anyway. that are listening to this on the iTunes, get over it. 
come to the YouTube thing. It's more whatever. Yeah, and so uh, the, also check out Leighton Flowers. We're a part of a, po- a podcast consortium made up of Soteriology 101 with Leighton Flowers. It focuses on the whole Calvinism, Arminianism, Molinism, blah, blah, blah thing. And then we have... Um, uh, Bible Brodown. They just go through the Bible. I mean, it's it's fantastic. You want to check that out. They don't um, just go through the Bible. Oh, no, they talk about theological about, stuff, too. And they talk about ancient aliens. Okay, and flat earth stuff. And, right. Uh, all that kind Their of stuff. Their show's fun. It's They're the, my favorite. It's show. the X-Files. It's the Bible and X-Files of the Trinity. <laughs> Mostly Bible, yeah. <laughs> but you do get a little bit of X-Files. There's a little X-Files Well, I mean, that. they have a government agent who's part of the thing. Yeah. Oh, and I found out that uh, Chris Fisher, our new patron, yeah, uh, he's a government guy. He works for the DOD. So really? Chris Fisher and Billy Winland, they're both stooges for the government. So uh, if you want to listen to those guys, go do that. And uh, also... Steve Gregg. Steve Gregg of The Narrow Path. If you listen to what we have to say and you're an apologetics junkie, but you don't know the Bible like you should, then go listen. He's got a verse-by-verse through the entire Bible. And uh, I think you'll enjoy that. So go check that out. We've had a few new reviews on uh, on the uh, uh, Apple, uh, what is it, iTunes or something. If you'd like to give to the show, it helps us. We have not yet met our goal, though we have uh, good patrons that we appreciate. You can click up here somewhere on the video or on the audio. As I said before, you can go to um, uh, patreon.com slash trinityradio. We really hope that you'll do that. If, I mean, it's just, if you listen somewhat regularly, just buy us a cup of coffee once a month. That's right. what Layton says, and I think it's good. Just buy us a cup of coffee um, and, and do that. We really do appreciate that. Uh, it helps us out a lot. I, I want this watch to mention. People it matters to us. It matters please, to them. Please watch Braxton read people praising us. They put this on here because we said we would read it if we if they put it on there. <laughs> so uh, Joe, five dollar signs, whoever that is, says, this is a very educational and entertaining series of podcasts. I look forward to each new topic as Braxton and Jonathan discuss and enlighten we the listeners. I appreciate the relaxed format while placing the emphasis on evangelism and learning God's word. Uh, hooked, uh, Joshua James Robertson says, hooked says, love these guys. They do humbly contest and or defend many different doctrines of the church and events within today. Their styles complement each other well, and I could listen all day long. This is a great ministry, and I praise God for how it builds my faith. Incredible. Dippy Doodle says, why am a listener? Why am a... We <laughs> had a whole... Clever, yeah, yeah, we had a why am a series last season. Yeah, if you're new to the show, yeah. you need to watch our whole you Watch the why am a, because it's yeah. like, why am a Muslim? Why am a Hindu? Why am a... And we respond to those. So go check those out. Uh, but he says, why am a listener? Because it's, it is like driving a fast car down a road while throwing $100 bills out your window and eating an amazing cheeseburger. I mean, it has Braxton wow. Hunter, exclamation point, and that other guy, exclamation All point. All right, the who, other guy. Who is also good. He, too, gets a cheeseburger. All right. Yeah, I love it. The other guy. All right. We'll see you next time on Trinity Radio. I'm the other guy. <laughs> I love it. If you would like more content, click here and keep watching Bible Studies click up here. And finally, we want you to subscribe. We need more subscribers, so click here.